0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! I okay. am here to welcome you to the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito. We have Shelly Mazzanoble here. Hello. And Nick the DM is joining us. Yay. Hi Nick. Hi. We're so excited you're here I'm all the way here. from the
1: East Coast. The newest of the jerseys.
0: Yeah. They tried <laughs> to make a third one, but it didn't work. <laughs> New it, Air it, Jersey? That, it became uh Delaware. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Uh, Nick is here joining us because he recorded an amazing interview due to your donation to Extra Life for the kids.
2: Yeah. Uh, Extra Life's rad. If you know what Extra Life is, you should donate to it. If you don't know what Extra
0: Life is, you should Google it.
1: And then donate to
0: it. And then donate to it, right. That's yes. a It's a step-by-step yeah. process. Right. Um, we are excited that you are here and that you do so much great for, for the kids. Thank you. Um, You're a Dungeon Master, and you've been a Dungeon Master for a long time. Yep. It's pretty much my handle. Yeah. (laughs) It's all there. stick
1: with it now. Yeah. Uh,
0: We recorded a fantastic interview, which we'll be releasing at a future time on the podcast RSS feed. You'll be able to go into detail of everything that Nick is doing there. Uh, And uh, he is here going to intro uh, our interview segment uh, with Bill Allen is going on today. We will talk to him all about producing... Dungeons and Dragons and other material uh, from uh, the school as well as being the streamer behind all the stream games at GaryCon and other fun cons. Those Uh, have been awesome. I'm really looking forward to hearing about this. Me too. Uh, it's going to be great, and then Gary Khan is just around the corner, so yep. uh, he'll be there and showing off all the fun stuff that uh, him and his students are doing. Did I hear that they won an Emmy? That's true. Bill Allen's group uh, at his school won an actual Emmy for wow. producing sports uh, stuff as part of the AV class that he does. It does all the sports uh, stuff as well as uh, more creative uh, endeavors, and they won an, an Emmy for that. Wow. So cool stuff all around. Have you ever had an Emmy Award winner on the show before? Yes. We have. Wow. Did we have Sam Regal on? I don't think we've had Sam Regal on, because yeah, I know he's an we Emmy award winner. We had Jorge. That's right. I don't know. Did he, did he win an actual he Emmy was an or M- was it Golden Globe?
1: He was nominated for the Golden right. Globe. But I think he was an Emmy. We, or maybe it's reverse. We
0: need to get Newbie DM on here, because I know he has won an Emmy, <gasps> yes. Enrique, uh, for his work at, uh, 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 in, in TV production. So yep. uh, he's been on my list to try to get there. So we're, we're expanding our, our award-winning interviewees. <laughs> yes. Uh, Elevate.
1: Elevate the game.
0: Exactly. Um, So uh, we want to give you just one more opportunity to show off what you're doing, Nick, uh, uh, and and, and get people into uh, what what your world is. So what's this new show that you're talking about? So my new show is called
2: Twitch at the Table. Um, It's uh, premiering on February 23rd at noon Pacific or 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, It is pretty much the meeting point between a uh, live play D&D game a uh, choose-your-path book, and Twitch plays Pokemon. Um, it's pretty much intended to be this experience where it's emulating um, the experience of, like, just a Thursday night game with your friends of Dungeons & Dragons, except that the one of those players is all of Twitch chat.
0: That they're going to be controlling this third character. By doing polls and stuff in the Twitch chat, you'll be able to to get an amalgam of people together and to choose one action. But that action will be very unpredictable. And together you'll go on an adventure, and who knows what will happen. That's pretty cool. And that's uh, premiering on February 23rd. Yep. On which channel? Ah, twitch.tv slash nickthedm. Excellent! Can't wait. Uh, and that's twelve noon Pacific time, three p.m. Am I doing it right? Got you you it. Yep. All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> we did that together. <laughs>
1: Group effort.
0: Uh, see. Sometimes I just depend on uh, players it's to do the details, right? See? Yeah, it's all right there. Yeah. Um, you've been working on some really fun stuff, Shelley. What's going on with Monster Madness and Dungeon
1: Mayhem? Dungeon Mayhem, Monster Madness. It's coming on February twenty eighth. You're going to love it. We have a first off line copy. Did you feel how heavy it is?
0: It's very heavy. <laughs> it's I did. Heavy. I it, was showing it off on D&D News. And oh, yeah. It looks yeah. fantastic. It really
1: does. Six new characters. Monsters. Which that one's amazing. your favorite? I am, I've always been partial to Owl Bears. But That's a good and, and Hoots Magoots. Oh, my God. I just love the art on it. Cam Kendall is the illustrator. He's amazing he did he great knocked work it out of the park on this, yeah, and he had a lot of fun doing it, and he's he's just the best
0: uh, uh, based on the descriptions we gave before, Nick, which is your favorite?
2: I have to say, just out of the outfit, the red dragon takes it for me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah he, he's got some good mighty powers, they all have new mighty powers, and it gets crazy, and you well, can play with five to six people now,
0: I love that, and I love the ghost mechanics. so that if the you get knocked ghost. out early, yeah. yeah. You very similar to the Twitch, uh,
2: it uh, is. Twitch yeah. at the yeah. table. So yeah, uh, lose there and then just go and possess some other adventurer. Exactly.
1: So <laughs> you're going to need to start playing some Dungeon Mayhem. All right. I mean, that's just going to have to happen. All right. Well,
2: if anyone at home is watching, I guess we're playing some Dungeon Mayhem.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's been promised, yeah. and so it will uh, occur. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, we also, of course, have uh, a few D and D products coming out, such as Explorer's Guide to Wild
1: Heard about it.
0: Critical <laughs> Roles Second campaign, uh, The Mighty Nine, all takes place on Wild Mount, the continent of Wild Mount, in the world of Exandria. And this book has got 304 pages of information all about that area. There's four different kind of areas in there. Chris Perkins and I have talked about some of the geography and the gods, and uh, I love how it is this meld between stuff that it was created for fourth edition as well as kind of D&D of old, you know, combined with Matt Mercer's genius storytelling and the, and, and the uh, collaborative storytelling that happens at the table during Critical Role for the last five years, all in one book that you can purchase and get on March 17th. Everywhere, right
1: around the corner. I right around,
3: love
0: around
4: the corner.
2: These settings books that have been coming out now recently, like between Acquisitions Incorporated and uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. This seems like the next logical step, and it's very exciting. Yeah,
0: I love the the philosophy of having here not just setting book and mechanics book, but like here everything that for everyone that you might be able to get in this in this one large ish tome. <laughs> Because uh, there's, I mean, there's people who want to play in Alexandria. There's people who want to play in Wild Mount, and that will uh, serve as great resource for that. But there's lots of subclasses, uh, mechanics that you can steal and choose from, or even the story stuff uh, that is uh, there as the gazetteer of all of these locations in Wild Mount. Like any good DM, you can pick that stuff and tweak it and make it your own pretty easily. And uh, we like to provide that for our Dungeon Masters. We right. Right. Yes. Uh, there's another product with Explorer. In the name of it.
1: Silver Hands. <laughs> yes.
0: Laurel Silver Hands Explorers Kit is yes. also coming out on March 17th. It is a dice set that uh, encapsulates all of the fun lore that we've been producing for the Sword Coast on the Forgotten Realms over the last few years. So uh, it has the same form factor as the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus dice set. Two boxes. You open them up. You can roll them as, uh, use them as dice trays, and they have that nice felt-lined feel, so they... Have that kind of nice that. feel to it. Um, the design for these look amazing. They're blue and iridescent and shiny, uh, yes. as well as the cards that have uh, little tidbits of lore that you can hand out to your players uh, if they roll really well on their history checks about, you know, Durnin the Wanderer. And then you will be like, "Here's what you know about him. This is what he looks like, and uh, what is Laurel Hand, Sil- Laurel Silverhand, up to?" You can give them that, uh, as well as just. They're nice to have the tactile thing. That's very exciting.
1: I think that if if I were to ever be a dungeon master, I think I would be the kind that would like props and things to hand out. Props are awesome. I think that really just. Immerses you. It elevates it. it, it really elevates does. it, and
0: plus there's a map, which I am a big fan of. All maps, so maps being are able cool. to have, uh, uh, you know, it's the same. It's folded up to be the same size as the box, but it exp- expands to a much larger size of the, of the Sword Coast. So you can give that to your players as a resource as well. On the other side, it's a map of Waterdeep.
1: And you know, oh, wow. once you do, you use a dice tray, Nick. Not
2: often, mostly because like I have a table that has, like, a dip in it. Oh. Um, but it, the, t- the uh, dice trays are really awesome.
1: They really are. Like, once I started using a dice tray, yeah. I really can't. I just simply cannot roll my dice without one.
0: How many times have you rolled your dice and it just falls off the table? I have you know, any I know, yeah. right? And so <laughs> the dice tray really does alleviate that. Of course, I have... Because I'm awesome. Roll the dice I've so hard it. that it falls I'm out of the dice well. tray. Ricochets right out of it yeah, right there. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> gosh, I guess I'm too awesome. But then <laughs> you have, like,
1: a moment. Right. As opposed to, like, it's just falling off the table. Yeah. Like, yeah. If Are it's we, actually jumping over. Have you
0: done that where you've done it, like, three times in a row and it falls off the table each time and you're like.
1: Arr. Yeah. Yeah. Sloppy dice, drink twice. <laughs> 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 That's a rule. It's canon. There is the rule. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, it is now.
0: Right, I guess I gotta drink twice
1: then. <laughs> oh, darn it.
0: mm any other fun things you wanted to announce, Shelley? I mean, I, I know can you're tell working it, on some things. We're not,
1: I'm not going to announce it, <laughs> but I will say that in a couple of weeks, oh. there's going to be something real cool that you're going to know about.
2: What's one keyword that gives no context?
0: Banana.
1: I was <laughs> nice. just going to say banana. Are you kidding? <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I was like, literally, she's going to say banana. I like knew it. I really did.
1: How did you know? Heard
0: it
2: here first, folks. Yeah, something to do with bananas, except not at all.
0: (laughs) Except not at all. (laughs) I think it's just you and I's go to ever since Quinn is uh, said banana, banana, right? (laughs)
4: Um, Um,
0: There's an awesome. I don't know if you know. This is a little bit of a tangent, but there's uh, the Piggy and Gerald books. Do you read those? Oh, I love them. There's one that is so meta. I love it. It's called We Are in a Book. And, oh yeah, and they basically like, oh my gosh, we're in a book. We can make the reader say a word, and they're like, but only if the reader is reading out loud. And then they're like, but nah, nah.
1: And then they laugh,
0: they laugh so hard, and And it's it's such a thing. And so I, I love been, those books. Fiona's been reading that a lot recently. Really? As like one of her like go to books, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is quickly becoming my favorite book of so all they're time. They're all good. That's awesome. Yeah. The that whole series is good. They're fantastic. Mo Willems is the author, uh, and uh, you know maybe he plays D D. We gotta get Fiona. Oh, We've got to get him on here to talk to him all I'd about I'd like
1: to see Piggy and Elephant play in some D&D. Yes. Who would be the dungeon master?
0: I'm going to say Piggy would be.
1: I feel like Piggy, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Piggy's, Piggy's the, uh, uh, the girl, and Gerald is, uh, is the elephant who is uh, a little bit more shy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But he'll, he'll come out of his shell when he starts playing D&D. That's
0: true. That's right. That's what it's all about. That's yeah. what we'll make it happen. Well, I think it is now time to shove off to our segment. Shove off. Shove off. Onward and upward. Onward and upward. Let us go uh, get our brains empowered by uh, someone here on the D and D staff telling us some fun things. Shall we do it? Yes. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll we'll have you here in the intro and outro just for the fun of it. Okay. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Bra- segment. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and today I'm joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. <laughs> Wait. I'm, Always. That's
5: what I'm so, <laughs>
0: We're all confused. Uh, but anyway, we are going to use this segment of Lore You Should Know to dive into some more lore behind Explorer's Guide to Wildmount coming out on March seventeenth. It's going to be spectacular. You, Chris, have been working with Matthew Mercer and a wonderful team of freelancers creating this product for a while now.
6: Yeah, a whole bunch of us have uh, been tag teaming on this one, and uh, it's a it's a big, beefy, three hundred and four page, glorious uh, testament to Matt's imagination. Yeah, and and
0: to uh, the inspiration of Dungeons and Dragons in general yes, and how you yes. can take. What uh, is created here in this office or anywhere else, uh, as, yeah. as uh, involving Dungeons and Dragons, and adapt it and use it in your campaign. Matt
6: will be the first to tell you that he he, he drew on a lot of inspiration from D anD D to and riffed on a lot of kind of old ideas uh, to bring this new world to life.
0: And uh, one of the things that I've been excited about following the Critical Role fandom is all the wealth of art, fan art, yeah. whether it's cosplay, whether it's cartography. One of my favorite. Uh, people to follow on Twitter is Devin Rue uh, because of the amazing maps that she draws. By.
6: Amazing maps, you say?
0: Amazing maps. Yes, we have one. It is a very detailed map of Wild Mount. Uh, it is in the actual book that you can get. Correct. Yes.
6: This is a printout. This is a printer proof printout of it. It's actually got some of my edits on it. That's kind of cool. Nice. Um, Everyone's going to zoom in. This, this like is, this is, my, is this conspiracy is my, theory. My version of yeah. the map that I was using in the final days of the product, um, but yours will not have my edits on it. Well, it'll have Let's, your edits on it, but not the notes. Well, right, it won't yeah. have my notes. <laughs> it won't have my little black marker arrows all over the place. Uh, it looks beautiful. I can't wait it to delve really into does. it. De- Devin did a magnificent job. You mm. can't see it from this distance, but it's, it's, it's beautiful.
0: Um, and so, what we're going to discuss on this segment is the geography behind Wild Mount. Yes, uh, and yeah, you know, actually, you can feel free to put that up here oh. too if you want to. So that at least you and I can refer to it. Right. Um, and uh, because you know it is a continent of Wild Mount
6: uh, in the world of Exandria. Correct. Uh, and for those who don't know, it is, uh, at least in terms of this picture. It is east of the previous continent that Matt explored, which was Taldorai.
0: Ah, okay. So, so it's.
6: Ta- yeah, Taldorai. There's like a little um, Alaska Russia land bridge kind of thing going on um, up in the top left hand corner of the map. And if you were to walk across that or make your way across that, you would end up at Taldorai. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, okay. So it's that close. Yep. Interesting. Um, yeah, what else can you tell me about the, uh, uh, how the geography of this map and the continent kind of shapes the narrative? It's big. It's big. Yeah.
6: <laughs> it's Asia. It's like, don't get
0: in a land war and wild mount.
6: <laughs> and that's part of the problem is people are really trying. <laughs> um, uh, so in, in, in a sort of st- – for a continent of this size – if you were to run a campaign here, chances are most of the campaign would take place within the continent. You probably wouldn't go too far afield or explore too many other continents. Um, that's not to say you can't, it's just I am I would imagine a lot of Wild mount campaigns are very much Wild mount based. And that's good because Wildmount has a tremendous, it's big enough that there's a tremendous variety in terms of climates and terrain types. So, you know, um, but there are basically four main geographical regions. And um, uh, Matt and his collaborators uh, have been very good about painting them with different brushes so that they feel very different. And you can almost treat each of these regions as a complete campaign in and of itself. Oh, okay. So the first, sort of working from west to east, the first is the Menagerie Coast. And it's this sort of western, coastal, very green... um, strip of Wild uh where you've got these um, coastal cities, uh, this uh, sea trade, pirates, and all of that sort of action going on.
0: Is it uh, fertile? So there's, that's where a lot of yes. agriculture would yes. go there?
6: And uh, because these coastal cities have been sort of landed on by people from all over the world, it's also very cosmopolitan. Um, so uh, places like Port de Mali and Port Zune, and uh, and um, uh, what's the one? That's giving me Nicodranus. Uh, these places have a very uh, diverse cultures, sort of um, woven into their fabric of their cities.
0: So you'll see humans, yes. lots of uh, yeah. elves,
6: lots of orcs, everything. Yeah, everything. lots of everything. Um, there's a there's sort of an, organiza- an organizing faction behind these coastal cities. They're all loosely allied or confederated uh, and tied to this um, faction called the Clovis Concord. But re- what really the Clovis Concord is is just the union of these cities. They're independent, but then they're sort of there's a- almost like a NATO-like quality of so, of mutual protection slash or like uh, trade.
0: the Greek city states yes. uh, in our history of like exactly. the- they banded exactly. together when they needed to, but yes. not necessarily for yes. individual
6: yeah. But if you like nautical campaigns or campaigns with pirates running around all over the place, then the Menagerie Coast is Nirvana for you. (laughs) There are all kinds of islands and archipelagos that you can visit. There's the pirate city of Darktoe, which is on an island that you can go to and you can meet the Plank King. Who doesn't want to meet the Plank King? I love
0: planks and kings. So put them Uh, together.
6: Yeah, so uh, um, that's cool. Fascinating character. And then, so that sort of defines the Western Edge uh, region.
0: And then there's a large mountain range. And then,
6: then that's naturally cut off by this large mountain range, um, the Sirios Mountains. And then you get to the heartland areas. And there are there are really kind of two... It, well, it's one area, but it's been sort of bifurcated. And it's known as uh, Wenandir.
0: Wenandir.
6: Yeah, Wynandir. W-Y-N-A-N-D-I-R. Got it. Uh, and there's western Wenandir and there's eastern Wenandir. And that's where our main conflict is happening between the Dwendalian Empire and the Kryn Dynasty. Ah, okay. These are these two relatively young, emergent factions that have decided they cannot be good neighbors. (laughs) 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 And so uh, one of the interesting things about this world and about the geography is that um, these two... um, are sort of in like a bad marriage almost. They can't escape. They're trapped by mountains to the west of them and then another ring of mountains to the east of them, and their ideologies are incompatible so that now they're basically fighting over territory. So what you're seeing in this campaign, this part of the campaign, is the the early stages of what could be a terrible, terrible war. I see.
0: And you said relatively young. Does that mean that uh, you know, this, this rise to this much influence and power is new, or the actual settlements and cities are new?
6: In the span of the whole history of this continent, these two nations haven't been around very long. Okay. Um, so like a, a generation lot, or two so a lot, uh, or longer uh, than that? A few, a few generations, Okay, yeah. Um, so maybe it is long in the sense of a mortal lifespan. Yeah, they've been around longer than I have. <laughs> uh, they've been around longer than my great-great-grandfather has. You well, know, I don't like, know.
0: You've been here forever. Uh, I've, I've
6: been here for a long time, uh, at least 700 years. But, <laughs> so, But uh, like the Dwendalian Empire was sort of born out of a con- a smaller conflicts, uh, m- uh, feudal conflicts, and then this one king sort of conquered this piece and conquered that piece and conquered that piece, destroyed this other, the Julius Dominion over here, killed their leaders and took over that piece and has now called himself emperor. And then at some point, uh, his family members just didn't start to inherit one after the other. Eventually, the empire kept its name, but the emperors started to call themselves kings instead. Uh, and not going to get into the details of that. Uh, so, but they've only been around for, a, you know, a handful of generations, trying to solidify their hold on the place. While next door to them, dark elves, um, driven out of the Underdark, mm-hmm. have risen to the surface, and staked a claim in what is currently known as Eastern Wenandir um, and uh, and and areas beyond that actually as well, and they. Like the Dwendalian Empire, they're not inherently evil, and that's the key thing here. Is none of these, none of these, neither of these groups is like the good guy or the bad guy. Yeah, it, very morally gray on both sides. Uh, but their beliefs uh, in the Luxon, and the light, is contrary to the traditional god beliefs of the Dwendalian Empire, and so uh, on religious grounds, on territorial grounds, these two sides are fighting. But this area that forms the core of the continent is a very fertile area there 's lots of beautiful valleys there 's the marrow valley there 's the Zemni fields they 're all they' uh, lovely cities and settlements and stuff like that some of some of them ravaged by war, but others have not yet been devast- devastated mm-hmm. um, now all of Wenandir of course was a battleground ages ago between the gods and before that between the gods and the primordials so in several in some respects, like the forgotten realms, you can see in Wenandir the ruins of the calamity that pretty much Almost tore the world apart
0: oh, okay ages ago. so there's there, there are big large ruins yeah of big things. large ruins,
6: and just evidence of that sort of bygone destruction um, and so
0: have either of the empires uh, or or governments here have they have they been using that to their advantage or they just um, kind of ignore those
6: they Right now, they're trying to find the, the edge over one another, and they're, they're reaching out and exploring these places.
0: Which is why they need adventurers. Yes,
6: yes, Which brings me to the third area I wanted to talk about, which is the graying wildlands to the north. Okay. And also the islands of Icelcross. Icelcross. Yes. Because ages ago, there was this Atlantean culture. I use Atlantean in the sense that possibly kind of futuristic by modern-day standards, uh, wondrous... They had technology that nobody really understood and can do remarkable things, Right. flying cities, all that kinds of stuff. Uh, that fell to ruin, and Aeor sort of crashed and burned. But the in the remnants of in, in Isalcross, you can fi- you can find the remnants of these this Aeor and crash and Aeorian relics, which is now driving a huge effort on both from both the dynasty and the empire to get them. I see. To use them in the war, even though they don't even understand what they do. They've heard that they exist, and so there's this kind of charge up into the northern islands, these frozen wastelands, to find these lost artifacts.
0: Because it's the only way they're going to get an edge that could potentially exactly. stop this. Or at the very
6: least, they can keep it
0: out of stasis. the hands
6: of their enemies. Oh, uh, right. So that, that is, you can see the, the war kind of now spilling out to the outlying areas of the world. Now, the graying wildlands uh, and the, the islands of Isilcross are sort of an untamed frontier. There's not much in the way of settlements up here. The land does not really, is not really conducive mm. to humanoid existence. You have to be pretty darn tough. There are wild folk tribes up there and there are orcs and there are other monstrous things up there, but very few cities and settlements. So once you get north of you know, these peaks... Uh, and into the graying wildlands, you're kind of on your own. Mm. There isn't what you'll find in one end here, like the settlement over the next hill. There isn't uh, an easy escape from the ferocity of the monsters who live up here and just the harshness of the terrain.
0: And it looks like, you know, based on the uh, what I'm seeing here, that the actual, uh, there's like a river of lava uh, is that what that is? is oh, that an actual, yeah. Is there volcanic.
6: Yeah, there's so one of the weird things is there is volcanic activity up there, and there's also some magical effects. Oh, uh, consequence of uh, ancient yeah. calamities that have happened there before the and the, and the collapse of the A- Aeorian culture, and so there is weird things like rivers of lava that seem to form out of nowhere or mm-hmm. out of gates to the to the elemental plane of fire, you know, things like that that 's where you, things really start to get weird up there, and in another place in another part of the country, which i 'm going to talk about next with Zorhas Zorhas and Blightshore, which is the eastern part where a lot of the ancient calamities that have been visited upon Wildmount have lingering magical effects i see that are terrible um, it, things like um, uh, just like uh, weird lightning storms and uh, burning embers and noxious clouds of gas and Interdimensional vortices mm. swirling around. It's it's really kind of more like a a post apocalyptic quality.
0: Oh, okay. So across, what's the name of that mountain range? Uh,
6: so this mountain range here is called the sorry, it's called the Ashkeeper Peaks.
0: Ashkeeper Peaks. So yep. on the on the on the on the far eastern side, side of, yeah, of eastern that,
6: side of the Ashkeeper Peaks, things get really dark and, uh, and uh, there's just dangerous. evidence dangerous, and there's just big swaths of blasted. Landscape, you know, burnt, charred forests, twisted forests, um, uh, vast mires of muck and sort of of rot and decay, and then just weird, sort of, you know, burning plains and uh, acrid smoke in the air, and all kinds of nasty, nasty business.
0: And those are all left over from. These calamities that yeah. have occurred—was yeah. uh, that true of the of the entire continent? And then the, it, over time, these just have ended. But for some reason yes. here, they hasn't. Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah.
6: So, it, so it, Wild Mount—I think it, one way to describe it is it is a continent on the mend. Ah. And uh, you could probably see it sort of mending its way west to east in a way. Mm. Things get a little more abnormal the, f- the farther east you get on the continent. Yeah. Until you get to Blightshore where you start to see some of the really, really freaky phenomenon.
0: Um, yeah, what is... Blightshore sounds really terrible. What is that, what does it's that... It's terrible. R- ...refer to?
6: So, well, they called it... Its actual name is the Miscath Strand, but people call it Blightshore because it's just rotten. Uh, <laughs> there's like... A, uh, big whirlpools in the water that can swallow ships whole, Oof. so travel up and down the coast can be dangerous. There's uh, mutated creatures that live there. There are um, structures like uh, Gore which is this uh, like, uh, like the sort of necromancer's ruined castle in The Hobbit. It's this oh. uh, decayed, forgotten castle ruin with all these shadowy wyvern creatures called gloomstalkers uh, prowling around it and feeding on anybody who gets too close to it, and dark secrets from a bygone age sort of locked away inside it. That's where you find all that kind of weird stuff from from yesteryear. And
0: is there any association with any of the, the deities of uh, at any of these places? I mean, what you're describing sounds very evil goddish to me. Yeah,
6: well, there are, I think there's an effort here. To, there's, like, dungeons and places you can go scattered throughout this region, and a lot of these dungeons can take you into places where you can find relics that the gods left behind or the betrayers gods left behind. I see. There are these things called the arms of the betrayers, which are, like, these evil weapons that the, that the betrayer gods fashioned. Oh. And they, they're sort of left and scattered throughout the world. So Blightshore would be an obvious place to drop a few of these things for players to find.
0: Mm. Well, that's a really good uh, overview of everything that's going on in Wildmount, the entire continent. Yeah. It does seem very vast. Uh, as far as scale goes, what would you compare it to uh, here in in our world? Is it as big as Asia, or is it, a, is it more of a...
6: Well, I do not off the top of my net head, no. I guess there's a scale on the Asia bottom. I yes, d- there is. I... So it's based in squares. So this thing here is, let's see, 200, 400, 600, Two, four, six, eight thousand. It's 2,200 miles
0: across. Okay. So that's not. So. You know, that's. that's if you go from New York to LA, that's 3,000 yes. miles. So yes. it's about half the, mm-hmm. the, the width uh, yeah. according to this scale. Um, so. Yeah. A lot of, lot of space to, to explore, but it's not quite like the, yes. you know, the expanse of. And of Asia. because it's,
6: it's compartmentalized in the way it is, your campaign, if you were to run one, can sort of focus on one region to the exclusion of others, and you don't lose. You know, you you can you can have a plenty robust campaign just within one of the areas I mentioned,
0: and we'll get to uh, talking about that in the future because I think yes. there's also uh, adventures uh, in each of those regions. There is, but-
6: yeah, in the in the in the uh, book, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, Matt and Company wrote one adventure in each major region as a starting adventure for that region. Yeah, so that yeah. you
0: can start your campaign there, and then you might not even leave that yeah. region by the end yeah. of it.
6: And if you just look at the adventures as a set. You get a pretty good sense of what Wild is all about and sort of its diverse character. That there are kind of like four wild, there are four different ways you can play Wild Mount, or four different fields of campaign setting. Yeah, and the, these starter adventures kind of teach you. What a campaign in the Menagerie Coast is versus a campaign in Zorhas versus a campaign in ISIL Cross, for example. I love that. Yeah. I love that making it for that.
0: So uh, we are out of time. So let's. Uh, where can people f- get in touch with you? I for- am on
6: Twitter at Chris Perkins DND.
0: Excellent. We'll have a lot more lore uh, dropping for everything that's happening in Wild Mount and, uh, and and things in the future. So thanks for joining me, and we'll we'll talk about it all. March seventeenth is when Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount will be in stores everywhere. Look for it then. Thanks very much. We'll be back. I feel like I know so much more about Dungeons and Dragons after that segment. Don't you, Shelley?
1: I do indeed.
0: Do you feel like you're, all of a sudden your knowledge rolls are going to be at plus five million? Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> that was amazing.
0: I'm not sure like what happens when you roll
2: a five million, but I really want to find out. Let's do it. Let's roll Let's it, make it and a table. find out. <laughs>
0: Oh, I have a great idea for the end of us, uh, for our outro. I've been doing, uh, you know, little uh, little game segments similar to what you've been doing with uh, with your kid uh, in the car, but with Shelly. Now I feel like, Nick, when we do our outro, you should uh, quickly come up with a scenario and have us do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right, let's do that. Okay. Uh, but before we do, we're going to talk to Bill Allen. Okay. Let's get to that interview. Call him up. Bring! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Dragon Talk, Bill Allen.
1: Yay!
0: And Jordan and Jenny. Hello, Yay!
1: welcome. Hi.
0: We are so excited for you guys to be uh, joining us all the way from. Illinois,
3: <laughs> windy, windy Chicago, and we have snow, so um, it's it's legit winter time here in Chicago.
0: I like legit winter. Uh, so, Bill, we hung out with you, uh, Shelley, and I did a lot
3: yeah. during
0: uh, Garycon last year. Uh, yeah. But you do so many things, including D and D with high school students, and you're joined by two right now. That's right.
3: Um, yeah. So, I mean, I. I've been uh, a lifelong D and D player. I, you know, I started playing when I was a wee little kid before I could read even uh, in like 1978 and I've been teaching um, since 2006. So I, I worked professionally in film and television for a number of years before going back to, to get a degree to teach. And um, lo and behold, I luck out and I get the job teaching media classes at my old high school.
5: (sighs) Oh,
1: I didn't realize it was your old high school. This right? is like a John Hughes movie. I
3: love it. It is. It literally is. Like, I grew up here. Yeah. I know everybody. It's kind of freaky because now all the people I went to high school with, like, their kids are in school now. So, it, you know, uh, it's a little bit like Groundhog Day. Like, I, everywhere I go, I see somebody I know. But, um, but I had not been able to merge my passions for media and D&D up until about a few years ago. Um, and I was, you know, working on some D and D stuff and the students in my class saw it and they're like, Mr. Allen, can we play D and D for our final? And I was like, no. And then I was like, Wait a <laughs> no. So I gave it to them as like a project. And we had like one week to literally plan it. They had to come up with the lighting design, camera placement, the whole thing, set design. And we just did this D and D game. Um, and it, it took off like crazy took off. So um, the next thing I know, the next semester, the, this new batch of kids wants to keep it going. Um, and now we are in season four and it's gotten so big that I have to have two casts because wow. I have 10 kids who wanted to play that are also in the class. So they're, they're producing like supplementary content as well. But like we have these D&D with high school students shows and it's, they're, it's just crazy. Like we have a very supportive community. Um, who who follows the channel and supports us, and Jenny and Jordan are they kind of started last year, and then they basically took their solo quest you know show that we were doing called the B Team and turned it into season four. Um, and their group is called the Medusas, and there's like Ooh. a whole story with that. But so Jenny and Jordan, um, you guys, you know, you you've been playing now, and we're on. We've recorded twelve episodes with the Medusas. Um, Who's which, the dungeon master? So I'm I'm running I'm DMing, but Jordan and Jenny both DM uh, as well for like their own home games and stuff. Oh, cool. So they Jordan and Jenny are kind of like the the team captains on their cast, and they um, they have three other members of the cast um, who play in the game: Virginia, DJ, and Andrea. And and they've kind of really evolved this cool storyline and chemistry because all of the shows have interconnected storylines. They all take place in the same continent. So it's really cool to evolve these storylines and these characters over, you know, different episodes and throughout multiple seasons. Um, but in the beginning of this school year, I had a, another eager young freshman who asked me if I would be the advisor for a and d club. And of course... Like, you know, I'm like, yes, that would be great. But um, there is already a board games club here at the high school. There is already a program at our student union, um, like every Friday night where kids can go and hang out and play games, including D&D. So I didn't want to step on other people's toes. But long story short, a few months later and a lot of pestering uh, from this very persistent, awesome student named Katie, um, we decided that we would do this. But I wanted to make clear to Katie and her friends that I didn't just want to have a club where I I DM'd for a bunch of kids. I wanted it to be truly their club. And they to do that, we had to to have almost like a training program. So I recruited Jenny and Jordan, who graciously volunteered. They, they actually didn't volunteer. I just told them they had to do it. You're volun- but,
0: voluntold uh, them, yes. I think, is what we call that yeah. in this but office. But they,
3: they actually were good sports. So, <laughs> you know, the game plan was let's teach these kids how to play d and um, Let's get them playing. And then let's find the ones who have an interest in DMing and actually kind of do a little bit of training and coaching. So we kind of developed this system. And um, we started this second semester. So we started in January. Every Wednesday after school, from three to five, we meet. We um, we developed uh, table rules and etiquette, right? So we talked about that. Jenny and I actually produced a whole video related to the document that we developed. Um, but it was it was one of those things where like it kind of happened a couple meetings in because we noticed there were some kids who maybe needed kind of a primer about you know how to behave at a table respectively. and that one like discussion ended up being like two hours of talking in a Google doc. And then we developed this system. So Jenny, what were some of the things that we hit on? I mean, there were a lot, there's like two pages, but what were some of the main things that we talked about?
4: Yeah, it was a couple of things like staying focused at the table, not having distractions and how to wait for your DM to talk and how to set up your own table rules and they all kind of just center around the idea of, like, respect and a respectful interaction between players and DM.
3: Yeah, and, and setting boundaries. Um, like, we talked about not being distracted and, and staying engaged and, like, not distracting other people. You know, we kind of have some table rules about not having cell phones or playing games, you know, or having side conversations. That was another thing. Kind of like being being good listeners as well as good players, that kind of stuff. And I love just that. general approaches to like teamwork, you know? Um, so it, you know, we've, we've kind of cultivated this and, you know, Jordan having, having probably the most DMing experience um, we, we started running tables for these kids just with pre-gen characters that we got from the the wizards website and just to give them a kind of a flavor, because we didn't want to, you know, spend the first month like going over rules. We felt like that would be boring. So we gave them an overview and then we got them right into playing. What were some of the um, the like encounters and stuff that we ran early on? Not even adventures, really, but just like things that we did to help them learn how to play characters and how to play the game.
5: Um, so we kind of did a mix of all of the different skills that you usually have to encounter with um using, we tried to use every kind of skill that we had available, you know, like we go down the list and say, when, you, when might you need to use an uh, an intelligence check, this, that, just to get them kind of used to it, and then we also talked about fighting combat, so we ran them through combat, we ran them through stealth missions, kind of, you know, so that they could all get a sense of, you might not have to use these skills all the time, but when will you need to use them?
3: Yeah, and cool. and that, yeah. You know, the people who had characters who were like a little more, you know, oriented towards spellcasting. We kind of, after I think the first month, they were eager to make their own characters. So so we spent wow. two club meetings making characters. And it wasn't just making it for them. It was kind of teaching them how to think about a character. Um, and one of the biggest things that I try to teach with with the kids who play on the shows is don't immediately think of a character by its race and class. And one of the things I love about fifth edition that I encourage the kids to use is backgrounds because backgrounds help you think of a character as a person instead of just a race and class. So and not only right.
0: that, but the, the flaws and the, and the yeah, bonds and exactly. things like that. So if, that it becomes way more about these uh, relationships that you have around the table rather than I am a dwarf paladin.
3: Right. And it, it, it adds that depth. So we, we actually went pretty deep and we kind of broke this group up into different tables where we were working with them on character creation. Um, and, and after two meetings they've, they've finally generated their characters. Um, so That's I mean, so cool. it's, it is so crazy you guys, because I, I think about when I, and again, I went to this high school and I think of like, what would it have been like to have a D and D club in the eighties? And I think it's just, it's so hard to fathom. It is it's so hard to fathom. What that would have been like, because it it, I feel like so much of uh, the culture and society in the 80s had a negative connotation, either with like, you know, the satanic panic or um, or, you know, just oh those are nerds, whatever. But like it was shocking when we went to the first meeting and there were like 25 kids. Wow. And first of all, half of them were girls, which I'm just saying in the 80s, I don't think I. Would have ever expected that, you know. So, it's very encouraging for me as a veteran player to see like the diversity in the kids that showed up. Yeah, uh, yeah, and a, a lot,
1: lot, lot of them were new to D anD. d You're saying? Oh you had
3: yeah, a, or oh yeah. The majority, the majority like, of them the majority were new. Had literally, never played, had heard of it, um, or had a friend invite them. Yeah, but had you know had some interest in it, but had no experience. And I mean. The I, I would say that the room full of those kids represented quite a range of yeah. of uh, our high school. And it's it's a big high school. We have 4,000 kids. Oh, at my the, God. And there's a ton of sports and a ton of clubs and activities. So to start a brand new club and have 25 kids show up yeah. and pretty consistently, I would say we had at least 20 every week. Mm-hmm with some not showing up on certain days and then, you know, new people coming in who've heard about it just since we started it. So um, it's really yeah, so,
0: encouraging. So uh, uh, Jenny or Jordan, like what, what was it that drew you to wanting to participate in this? Because you, you came in after after Bill had already kind of had a few years of, of doing D&D with high school students. So what what was the reason for why you started showing up?
4: Um. Well, one of the actual original things, like he said, he has a class here that for the media and when i was taking it i had watched kids play it and i had a little bit experience before with my friends but i thought the way that he played and he dm'd and when i watched the show back was really interesting so at first i had just approached him me and jordan we both do digital arts here at our school too so we had approached him if he wanted to do any animated intros or any extra digital character art and after we were going through that process with him and doing the art of the characters and working on storyboards of animating them, he had invited us then, well, how about you do your own little side solo mission together? And that was the B team.
0: That's cool. And okay. Then that is... More than I ever did in high school. I
4: know. I'm like, I can't believe like there's a digital arts class,
1: like a curriculum in this. You guys are learning how to animate?
3: This is... Well, and, and Jenny and Jordan are both very talented artists. So... When um, when the character art was needed, um, they started developing the character art. Yeah, and let's talk
0: about that. So, yeah, how, how did that work?
3: Uh, so Jordan Jordan made character art, basically character portraits. And ver- they're good. Like ver- the kind that people pay money for commissions to do. <laughs> oh, I want to see um, some. And they're in the opening sequence of the show. So if you watch the opening sequence yeah, of the new shows, all of the character portraits um we're done. So talk a little bit about that process. Cause I think it's really cool. Cause I have none of that skill.
5: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I actually didn't know that Bill did D and D like for the three years that I was here. And then Jenny was in LTTV and she approached me and she was like, Hey, so Bill Allen has like a, uh, this show and he like wants some art for it. And I was like, sure, I can do that. She was like, yeah, it's like, like, D&D characters, and I know that's your thing. And I was like, what? You do D&D? Oh, my God, that's amazing. And I watch Critical Role all the time. Um, So when you see their character portraits, I follow all of those artists. And I thought, oh, man, these are so cool. And then when Bill said, like, hey, can you do character portraits? And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. And uh, all the kids have such unique characters that, that he asked me to make portraits for. So I would just, you know, have a meeting with them, Get what they wanted down, sketch it, send it to Bill and send it to the kids, and then just finish it up on my own. And then we did that for B team. A couple characters weren't didn't end up in there, but then for season four, Bill was like, You have to do this again because a lot of people said it was really cool.
3: Yeah. So the five the five players in the season four cast for the Medusas um, are, are all the same consistent art style because Jordan did those. And then through the storyline from actually in the game, organically, I developed this symbol that one of the factions uses. And it's basically like a skeletal Medusa. Mm-hmm. And Jenny did that art. And it, like, I just described it. I was like, imagine a Medusa skull, but skeletal. And, and like, a couple of weeks later, she comes in with this masterpiece. And I, I was blown away. So that, that is also literally the, the title page for the show, and it's, you know, it's kind of iconic in the storyline now. So both of them are really talented, which again, as a teacher, I, I love because that's drawing in their abilities with art into D&D. So yeah. um, and I think there's a lot of kids who are like that, who, who like drawing fantasy art or comic book art and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, if D&D can be um, a fuel for that passion, uh, I, you know, I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and how, is, how did you um you know get involved with uh, I guess becoming more of a of a of an ambassador for Dungeons and Dragons by based on on all of the uh things that have been going on. I am mean, here I'm talking to to Jenny or Jordan. Uh feel free to either of you to run with this, but like, you know, I I that experience you just described about uh oh, I didn't know that you played D&D feels like that was happening in the 80s to a certain extent in you know, uh but you know, with having this outlet for your creativity and then, and then getting people involved in it like this, that's got to be getting more people and more people involved uh, from the school.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, really early on too. It's just one of those things that, it's like the internet nowadays where I would have some people from social media and they would be like, hey, like I have friends on Skype or far away that they'd still be, hey, like, do you want to play this game with me? And just playing it through Skype and with other people I had learned it myself and instantly I kind of got that feeling like I want to play with more people and I went to my other friends in more real life and this was way back me and Jordan have been friends for a long time so I actually came to her when we were in middle school and I said hey do you want to try this game with me you know it's a little I showed them the characters and I showed my friends these sheets and they really liked it because it's really not a hard concept to pick up. And a lot of people, too, when you first see the numbers and that kind of stuff, it gets a little confusing. But I feel like a lot more nowadays, it's easier to understand d and for what it is. And that's both with having other people when they show you the amazing art. And you can watch plenty of people do the live videos, both like what we do and like Critical Role. That's another huge one that once people watch that and they get into it, it's like they feel like they have to play it.
0: Yeah. I feel like you uh, and, the, and the process that you have of putting the show on are continuing that tradition of you know, being inspired, creating something, and then now people are going to be watching your shows and then be inspired to play, hopefully, you know, in middle school and elementary school.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's, I mean, so here in, in our community, just as an example, um, there's a game store that is family-owned. They've been around. Uh, and there are a few suburbs over, but they just opened last year. They opened a, a new store in our town in Lagrange so they um, their their whole like thing is about community like it 's not just a place where you walk in and buy your stuff and leave. They have events all the time uh magic the gathering d and bunch of other games. they have a library basically that allows you to go in and test out and play any game. I love that. And if you like it, you can buy it, you know, and if, if, um, and, and they, they attend conventions and stuff. And in fact, they're, they're basically our biggest partner for our own upcoming convention LionCon. but there are a ton of like elementary and middle school kids who go to fair game and play games and they, they love it. And like, you know, I'm in this community, my son, in middle school goes to fair game with his friends like just on any given day and what's cool is that they can go in there after school and play games or they could sign up for some of the events and actually like learn to play. So they host a lot of like family gaming, you know, where families can come in and they can learn to play DD. So um there's definitely a demand. There's a demand here at the high school Um, obviously when we started up this D and D club, I, and, and this is, I'm not joking, Shelly and Greg, when we were setting up for the first meeting, it was just me and Jenny and Jordan. And, and I kind of looked at them and I was like, you guys, there's probably only going to be like four people that show up. (laughs) And then like within 20 minutes, the buses came and there was like 25 people. So, I mean, it, it is just, and, and they're not dropping off. Like they show up religiously. In fact, we joke about this, but, um, at five o'clock, the club is over. And so like we clean up and come back and like, sometimes we'll be cleaning up. We're finished. We're talking back at the studio and then we go to leave and it's like five 30. And those kids from D and D club are still hanging out. Like <laughs> oh, in the yeah. hallway, talking about characters and talking about adventures and stuff and planning for next week. So, I mean, I, I'm sure if we if we were like, yeah, D and D club goes till 9 p.m. Like they would stay. There. <laughs> I mean, they are they are so hardcore and so committed, and it's just it's awesome because um, you know it's it's really like an opportunity for anyone to to try. I mean, anybody. It, it's it's the most inclusive thing that I think anybody could do because it's open to all four grades. There's no experience required. You could be from any background and you can come out and enjoy playing the game. If you don't want to, you know, be in a campaign or you can't come every week, it's not a big deal. Um, one of the things we're working on now as we start to segue into training the other students to become DMs.
1: that Yeah, I was just going to ask about that.
3: Yeah, so basically um, I'm working on a curriculum, more or less, like it's, it's the idea is, you know, multiple units, the first unit being like, let's play D&D, you know, teaching them the basics, teaching them how to play. Um, the second part being character creation, the third part being starting to teach people how to be DMs. So um, our, again, our friends and partners at Fair, Gra- Fair Game um, are hooking us up with some additional materials to help with this. So we're getting a bunch of books and We're going to have some special club meetings where Jenny and Jordan and I kind of work with some of the kids who want to learn how to DM and begin to teach them how to craft an outline for an adventure, how to populate the, you know, the area with interesting NPCs and how to create challenges beyond just, you know, killing things like how to how to think about your adventure and integrate cool social encounters where they have to make choices and how to integrate cool options for exploring things and discovering things and investigating. So making it, you know, kind of a, almost like coaching kids on how to, how to DM and how to use the the books too, because I mean, uh, uh, so much of that stuff uh, in fifth edition is very clearly laid out in the DM's guide so that newbie DMs don't have to think of all that off the top of their heads. They can, there are, there are references, there are charts, there are resources, basically. So it's also teaching them how to use the resources that are available.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely important because there are a lot of resources, but a new dungeon master is not going to know where to go to find them or, or yeah. which ones they should even start with. It's a really interesting idea. Is it something that you guys would consider recording or streaming when you do these, these training sessions?
3: Yeah, so I think for this this first run, what we've been doing is kind of we have a meeting and then we usually, Jenny and Jordan and I, because Jenny and Jordan have lunch around the same time, so they come to the studio. So we have these like lunchtime recap sessions where we just talk about like what was working, what wasn't working. That's actually how uh, we came up with the whole table rules and etiquette and how to be respectful thing. But yeah, I mean, we basically are kind of like, I'm taking notes on this stuff. And I think ultimately I'd like to get to the point where this becomes, um, you know, more, more available, you know, so that, that it's beneficial uh, because, you know, some kids that are in this D&D club, uh, including Jenny and Jordan, will graduate next year. So I have to have kind of like a, a go-to, you know, a guide book for the kids who will take on the mantle and become the new leaders in the club. So that there becomes kind of this mentoring system. And it's not always going to be perfect, just like anything, but I'd like to have some resources for people to to be able to use.
0: Yeah, because what's that like? I mean, can I talk to, to Jenny or Jordan about like yeah. what is it feel like when you're getting some guidance from Bill, but then, you know, you get to pass that on and, you know, work with say the freshmen that are coming in.
5: Yeah, I think it's a it's a really weird experience because when I started getting into D and D, I didn't really want to DM, just because I was nervous. I thought like, oh, I can't do this. I can't be like the people I see on the stream because they're so good. But I'm a creative writer, and you know, I take writing classes, and so I just you know was realized that you know I I should try at least, and then I tried it, and it was so much fun that I said, oh my god, I have to tell the people that I talk to that say oh I can't DM them because I, I, I don't know the rules off the top of my head and I'm like you don't need to know the rules off the top of your head like you know how much stuff you end up making up or you know you have the books there and so getting to talk with kids who look up to you as like someone to teach them how to do things is really weird as a student but it's really cool that to see that people are like coming to you for guidance and you can tell them like yeah, this is uh, an experience and you should try it even if you're not good at it. And if you're not good at it, you seek people out like Bill who will teach you and who are here to help you figure out how to do that stuff.
0: Can I schedule a session for you to coach Shelly?
5: No, seriously.
1: <laughs>
3: you guys, need Jordan, it. Jordan um, and, and so we did a special live stream on Halloween. And because it was Halloween, we didn't play D&D, we did Call of Cthulhu, But, um, it <gasps> was... This interview is over. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling Just you kidding. it was... Because I never get to play. So I got to play um, and and Jenny and DJ played Brad and Janet. So if you're fans of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Was, <laughs> nice. Okay. So, but Jordan ran it and and it was so much fun. And, and honestly, now in the D&D club, when I see Jenny and Jordan running tables and, and you know, I, I can see the process. I could see these kids who some of them are freshmen and then some of them are, you know, sophomores and juniors. So they're closer in age to Jenny and Jordan, but it's truly that mentoring system. It's like the best form of education. It's when they, it's, it's when the teacher takes a step back and the students then begin teaching the students. And, and I, that's like the whole goal is to create a system so that, you know, I'm there as a resource, I'm there as an advisor, but I'm not there to run games for the kids. I want the kids to learn how to run the games themselves. Yeah. And, and the great thing about this growing interest and this resurgence in D&D is that there are so many resources. It's yeah. not just me. It's, you know, hey, do you want to get some great ideas? Um, go on uh, Dragon Plus. You know, there's articles that you could read. There's podcasts, there's everything. And I think that, you know, it can be overwhelming because there are so many resources. So just kind of having an authentic face-to-face experience where, you know, the kids are teaching the kids is the best thing. Yeah, and
0: I, I mean, um, I didn't have the experience that you guys had, but I did uh, in my high school years uh, do theater. I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, had the almost the same, very same experience as you. When I was a freshman, I came in and the seniors Taught me how to build sets and uh, uh, you know cut things on a table saw and do all the things that you needed to do but i didn't i wasn 't learning from a teacher I was learning from the kids who were juniors and seniors at the time, and they learned from the kids who had come in from behind them and uh, the director of this was a teacher, and he had this kind of top-down feel, where you know he was he was the um, you know the kind of artistic lead, but he put so much trust in the students along the way that it inspired nearly everyone that I went to high school with and did this theater program to do some type of artistic. Uh, uh, endeavors in their lives going forward. And even if they didn't do it professionally, they were doing it uh, for for something that was fulfilling for their lives. And I attribute a lot of that to um, what that teacher did for us. And it's so great to see you, Bill, do that for these students going forward. And then, you know, uh, Jordan and Jenny, when you graduate, then the, the people um, who you're teaching right now will continue and teach those kids when they're seniors.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think we you know in the next month we're going to start this this kind of dm coaching and it's it's going to be a little more complex but i think what's exciting is that we've we figured out a way to to make it so that everybody at each table has their own separate campaigns but all of the campaigns are set in the same region oh i love that had it be all know, this like
0: meta story where they're all connected
3: yeah, ah so, and and uh, I'm I'm throwing it back to uh, the Forgotten Realms because I, I I found a chunk of the map, and I was like this would be a great place where we could run stuff from level one through twenty. And each table is in this region. Each group of adventurers running adventures in this region, but there may be times where they come together against a common foe. You know, so it's it's a little bit of. I think some of the influence of Adventurers League, right? In yeah. a sense of everybody doing, but it's it's our own little microcosm within the D&D club. And the best part is that if one kid, you know, doesn't show up, it doesn't necessarily ruin that person's table because that person's table can continue going on or they could split up and join the other groups uh, and and we could easily work them in. So cool beans. The, the goal is, is, you know, for, for Jenny and Jordan, to kind of mentor uh you know a DM each and then I'll I'll have another person. So eventually we'll have five DMs.
1: That's great. Have you guys considered doing like the co DMing? Like having somebody sit with yeah. with Jenny and, and Jordan and
3: yeah, try so a little. I, I essentially that's that's what February hopefully will be, oh, is cool. that it'll be, you know, the beginning of this campaign setting. Um, And the people who will, you know, be learning from Jenny and Jordan and from me will kind of be co-DMing. So they'll be behind the screen. Just see. (laughs) Shiny. That's from you guys. I don't know if you.
1: Yeah, I recognize it.
3: Um, But they'll be behind the screen with us. And then we'll have these special DM meetings where we talk about the upcoming adventure, how we planned it out. What kind of things do we need to consider what if the characters go bonkers and decide to totally go in, you know, a different direction? If, <laughs> we, when, yeah, without railroading them, you know. So, like all of those, all those things that maybe more experienced DMs take for granted, we're going to literally walk them through the thought process and share that. And those things, Greg and Shelly, I think those are are the things that we're going to try to document. So we might actually record those DM chats. And because I think that kind of discussion with newbie DMs and experienced DMs and really open discussion about how you craft the adventures and pitfalls and, you know, obstacles and redirecting people and keeping players engaged, all those things that aren't really listed in tables are important things that DMs have to know as storytellers. So um, those are the things that I think we're going to record these behind-the-scenes sessions. And that way we'll also have an archive for like next year and future semesters so that kids who kind of want to learn can have this, this library of stuff.
1: So what I love, I mean, there's so much to love about what you guys are all talking about, but what I love is the idea of this huge high school with many different activities and all of these kids coming from all different places. And then they come together through D and D and you're probably Jenny and Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably meeting kids that you wouldn't be crossing paths with normally there's probably some more friendships that are being forged that you can even witness just you know seeing all the kids playing together i don't know if you've noticed anything changes with with the medusas if this group of, of people that you're playing with you were always tight friends with or if you're kind of a new group but i just I just think it's it's so healthy in high school in a time of your life where it 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 can be hard it can, it's a lot of people don't have great memories of being in high school, and I feel like you guys are kind of creating this nice safe haven for people to come to and just share their, their passion together. Am I totally off base, or is some of that actually happening?
5: No, that sounds pretty accurate. I mean, we're, our high school is so big that we're split up into two campuses. So a lot, most of the kids in the D&D club are freshmen and sophomores. And when I was in freshman year and in sophomore year, I never interacted with any of the kids at our North Campus. So, and like junior and senior year, I haven't really gotten the chance to go over to South Campus that much. But all of a sudden, all these kids got off the bus and they're kids that I have never met before, but they're all so nice. And they just, they kind of click, you know, you see people and you're like, yeah, you totally look like someone that I would hang out with in high school. I just haven't had the chance to meet you yet. And I think it's the same for the underclassmen. I can't speak for them, but to come over to North Campus, it's mm-hmm. it's good to meet people. It's good to get accustomed to a different climate and kind of create those bonds that are kind of missing sometimes when you split a campus.
3: Yeah, it can be culture shock when they come in from eighth grade into freshman year and they're they're coming from a graduating class of you know 150 kids into a, a freshman class of a thousand. Like it, it it's pretty scary. I think for a lot of kids starting at this school. So having something like this to look forward to. And I mean, that's not my words. Like those are those are Katie's, uh, the the girl who really was the the fuel behind starting the club. The freshman
0: um, that came in and was like, yeah, we yeah, got to do this
3: she was like, we need something to look forward to. And I was like, Oh, so I was like, that's so cute. Let's help her out. So we did, you know? And, and I mean, this, this club is a group of people who, you know, some of them are her friends, but a lot of them are just people that heard through the grapevine or saw the flyers or heard the announcement or one of their friends told them about it or their kids who hang out at the friendly local game store and yeah. heard that there was going to be something at the high school. So, you know, it's it's the whole gamut. Who designs
0: I mean, the uh, who designs the flyers? Who's is that one of you?
3: Um, who did the flyers? Was that you guys, or did I do that? I, I think mean, I had to do it. <laughs> I had to do it. See how I use that. That's a, <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're too busy doing character portraits now. Yeah.
3: They made me do it. Um, no, but I mean, it. You know, I think that that just in the community having like other options, you know, yeah. having other options for these kids who uh, maybe they're not into sports and, you know, that wipes out 60 of the activities that you could do in the high school.
0: Yeah. For me, it was theater, but then for you guys, you actually have this gaming outlet that, yeah. that is perfect.
3: We, I mean, and, and we have a huge theater program here, but you know, those kids are diehards too in their own right. And they, they're so into theater that sometimes that envelops, as you probably know, Like that becomes their whole life for six weeks. You have nothing but that show. So I think what's cool about this D and D club is that it's very flexible because it's open all year long. And -hmm. because we're setting up a format where you could come in and play for a week and then not come back, or you could play for four weeks in a row and then maybe you miss a month because you're in speech team or you're in a play. So I don't think it's, I think it's very flexible in that sense. And it has to be by definition because our goal is to help kids learn how to play and ultimately teach them how to run their own games and their own tables. So they're really student run. I mean, truly student run. So
1: can I go to your high school? I know. I I would go back to high school.
3: I want to. Anytime. Just move to Chicago. (laughs) Fine. <laughs> done and oh, done. Uh,
0: so yeah. t- t- let's talk a little bit about LionCon because you mentioned it a couple of times. And I'm really interested to find out if it's something that is associated with the school or is this something that you guys have created that is outside of you know the curriculum of, of, of being a part of this high school?
3: So it's it's kind of funny because LionCon took off at around the same time as the D&D with high school students shows on my, my YouTube channel took off. And it, it was born out of just, again, this growing interest in all things geek. You know, like we had uh, friends at the local comic book store and the game stores. And um, we, we have uh, one of the paraeducators at the high school who's really tight with the Star Wars, uh, like 501st Legion people who dress oh, okay. up in Star Wars regalia. Yeah. And we had an anime sci-fi club and a board game club. So like all of the fun nerd things were, were like coming together and there was no, there was no really small, there were huge things like C2E2. Okay. That's, but that's massive, right? So we wanted one that was really more focused on gaming and we wanted it to be family friendly, uh, open to kids. And it was the first year of LionCon. It was a joint fundraiser between these different clubs, right? And it was great. Like, Jenny attended the first year. I didn't even know Jenny at the time. And she won the cosplay uh, costume contest. Oh, no way. Wow. What did you dress oh,
4: up cool. as, Jenny? Oh, uh, I dressed up as a Homestuck character. Nice. <laughs> when there,
5: I-, I remember that because I had a video on my phone. And I just looked at it, like, a while after we started D&D. And I went, wait a minute. That was Bill Allen. And he, we talked about <laughs> it didn't know and we walked right by each other so
3: it was it was so awesome because i had um darth vader was one of the judges Mm -hmm. (laughs) the guy that was darth vader from the 501st and then um like admiral piet or whatever he was another star wars guy Mm -hmm. and then um two of the comic book store people so like i had you know local celebrity judges for the cosplay and costume
4: contest (laughs)
3: But we, you know, it was it was so much fun. We had tons of gaming going on. We had Adventures League. We had um we had a lot of kids' activities, like we had several comic book artists who did little workshops and seminars about like how to draw comic book characters and stuff. We had miniature painting and terrain painting. Um this was all in the first year. I know, it's yeah, very like, ambitious. It, it was it was mind blowing. Like I was I was shocked that it would even happen. Yeah. It was a massive success. So and, he, and he held
0: it at the campus of the school?
3: Yeah. So we have at uh, at South Campus, which is the building for freshmen and sophomore, um, there's there's basically a building called the Corral. And it's like a student union. Okay. It's pretty much like a student union in college. They have, um, you know, they have activities of all kinds there. Friday nights, they have Friday Night Inn, which is what I mentioned before about um, like where you could go and play games. They have pool tables, foosball. um, They have like a concession stand, stuff like
1: that. Amazing. I know, right?
3: There's there's like a a stage. So sometimes they'll have DJs and bands and stuff. But (laughs) it was literally like the most perfect place to have a convention because there's a ton of room. And we were able to kind of divide it up. Uh, We had an anime and sci-fi screening room. So like the kids who are really into that were going and watching like their, you know, a bunch of stuff. We had a whole lineup with that. Um, and there comic- was, I, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know,
0: uh, can do a lot of cross-pollination there where like, oh, yeah. I, I'm in the anime, but I I don't know how to play uh, D&D. And then you can get inspired to go uh, and try new things that are adjacent to the hobby of choice.
3: Yes. And we even had like for for movie buffs, we had the Horror Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. I, I'm shocked that I got that out in one mouthful. <laughs> I am too. That was, that was good. Yeah, they... um basically brought out half of their gallery for with all of these legit movie props, um, from sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, you know? So, I mean, it's really cool when you walk by this like glass case and you're like, look, it's the, the the second unit Conan sword. And there's Freddy (sighs) Krueger claws and there's star Wars armor, you know? So it's really cool. Um,
0: and this was all a fundraiser for your clubs.
3: Yeah. So like the local libraries, everybody was just getting involved. Second year was great. Again, we had, you know, some challenges because it's Chicago and it was February. So there's like two feet of snow, but it was still great. A lot of learn to play open gaming tables, um, magic drafts, like, and, and all with like official, you know, like really well organized and all volunteer. So, um, and I have to say that the, the vendors and, and especially the vendors slash partners have been absolutely crucial. Um, so this is upcoming uh, LionCon is going to be February 22nd and 23rd. And we moved it away from Super Bowl weekend for reasons that yeah, smart. Good call. Um, but, you know, so we're hoping that there won't be like five feet of snow. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's a Saturday, Sunday again, and it's, it's jam packed. And it's open snow. to the public open to the public. It's, um, it's $10 a person for kids, like little kids, uh, like 13 and under it's $5 a person. If you come in with a costume, it's $5. Oh,
1: so nice.
3: we're encouraging people to come in with costumes. Um, and then, you know, we have, like I said, fair game, our local, our friendly local game store, they are running events all day. So in addition to being a vendor, they're running events all day, board games, card games. They're doing a Magic the Gathering draft. They're running some how-to-play D&D sessions for kids, for adults, the whole gamut. Cool. Um, we have another group of friends who are also vendors and publishers, uh, Limitless Adventures. They're going to be there. And those guys produce 5e um, content and source books and stuff. So they're going to be running how-to-play. So we are going to have a crazy amount of D&D. Open tables, pre-registered tables, learn to play, um, some like epic level stuff. And then on top of all that, we have two days of official, legit Adventurers League running. Nice. So we have like registrations for that through Warhorn. And, um, you know, that every year that we've had Adventurers League, it just, the word gets out. It keeps getting bigger. We, we bring in some really good credentials, DMs um, to, to run the games. And it's, I, I think it's something that people you know, of all ages have been going to now for a few years and really love. Sweet. Um, so that's
0: February 22nd, you said?
3: Yeah, 22nd to 23rd. Um, and it's, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited because for the first year, we have a D&D club and Jenny and Jordan are going to be there. We're, we're all going to take turns running tables. The kids in the D&D club will be there. So a lot of opportunities for people to get in and play um, and, and it's pretty exciting. I've invited some, some big names. Um, so Fenway, the team DM, uh, she oh, does, yeah. yeah, she does, uh, to raise awareness for, uh, suicide prevention. She runs a lot of stuff at conventions for Jasper's game day. She does streaming stuff for Jasper's game day. So she's, um, she's going to be coming, uh, in with her family and, uh, I've got people from all over the country coming in. So it's, it's kind of like our own little mini convention and and it's like a slice of heaven. I love that. It
1: doesn't sound so mini. It sounds like a mega. It, yeah, that's a you got a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, it Jenny, is, what
0: what costume are you going to wear?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's Jenny, what are you going
4: to wear? Um I'm actually cosplaying with DJ too and we're both going to be a uh, Viking era medieval.
3: Nice. Oh, nice. Sweet. Jordan, what's your costume going to be?
5: Um, for Halloween, I went as Adam Maitland from Beetlejuice, so I might pull that out of the closet.
3: Nice, <laughs> nice, Bill. Yeah. What about you? What are you going to be in costume Um, I will be. I don't know. I haven't figured it out <laughs> yet. There's so many options. <laughs> <laughs> Should I be Gary Gygax? <laughs> yes. The girls want me to be Gary Gygax, so oh, yeah. I, I might need to keep growing the beard out to get a
0: Hawaiian shirt yeah. and you're done. There
3: or you th- go. Glasses, but yeah. I, I might pull that off. <laughs> I think yeah, so. so. you know, Guyax. I invited Alex Guyax to come to, to LionCon, but I don't know if he'll be able to make it. So we're, we're we didn't intend for this to be the case, but LionCon is like less than a month away from GaryCon. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that everybody that's local and in the Midwest and especially the Chicago area will come out for LionCon. But a lot of our, a lot of our collaborators and partners and volunteers are also going to GaryCon. So, like, they're going to do LionCon, and then a month later, they're going to GaryCon. Nice. China,
0: so. con, con season has begun yeah. a lot earlier and earlier every single time. So, yeah, GaryCon, uh, you guys have done all the streaming from there, and, and uh, we had a very good experience uh, working with uh, you as well as the, uh, the the kids that were getting credit, I think, for being there.
3: Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> so this year, we've Luke, Luke has hired us again uh, for GaryCon, so we'll be up there. And he has two jam-packed days of amazing streaming games. Um, everybody, you know, I think everybody who was there last year will be there. Um, so, you know, kind of a, a lot of the legends, I would say, you know, of, of D&D. Um, and, and that's the thing about GaryCon that's fun for us is, you know, we get to do the, the video production that we're so good at that, you know, we, we enjoy doing. But we're doing video production for like legends, you know. Yeah, so like, yeah. oh, it's Mike Merles, he's running a game, you know, and like <laughs> it's Joe Manganello and you know, all the, like it's Satine it's just Phoenix fun, you know? And you guys, I mean, you know, well, Shelly played in some of those games. yes, yeah, and did. you know, Stefan will will have a you know, a massive eight foot table for a, full of dwarven forge terrain. Oh, yeah. And just like geeking out. I'm like, I I, I want it all. So <laughs> It's it's just a blast. I, I mean, will say
1: you held it together, Bill. Like if you really I, were geeking out, you didn't show it yeah, last year.
3: I, I am a huge, um, I mean, I, I I have a ridiculous amount of Dwarven Forge. Like I, <laughs> it's pretty my awesome. wife knew how much Dwarven Forge I had. She, there would be problems. It. Uh, it's it's like dice. It's an addiction. So, but yeah, I mean, it's so cool for me to go up there and, and flex our video muscles with all these pros and and, you know, uh, but it's also just so fun for me to bring the students who have the video skills plus an appreciation for what we're doing. So that's great. Uh, last year at Gen Con, Jenny and Jordan came out for Gen Con, which was a Sweet. crazy work. Uh, we were the official video crew for Gen Con and, and you know, four days straight, 15 hours a day. Um, but Gary Con is uh, a little smaller. And we have a little time in between the streams so we can go out and kind of like check things out and hit the floor and stuff. So good, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome.
0: It's always great to have videographers who are also fans. I mean, I think that's a very important part of it. Every once in a while, you... uh, Work with folks who who are you know really good at video production, but they just don't understand what makes it exciting. And so, I, what I loved about your crew is that they felt uh, in their hearts uh, that uh, what they were doing and making was important for for them. And so, they brought that that kind of energy to it. It was fantastic. Yeah. And and, you know. and
3: it's, I think we have the advantage because we do the the shows that we put on my channel, like they learn about how to play at the table in front of cameras with microphones, but they also learn the production side of it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I would be remiss if I did not give a massive live shout-out to the grand wizard behind the curtain, David Carafa, who you guys probably remember. He is my right and left hand when it comes to all things technical. Uh, he's, he's the man on, on the switcher, so um, he will be at GaryCon as well. Three. Um, yeah, Dave is is literally... The the man who can make all this stuff happen because unfortunately I haven't figured out how to clone myself yet so N T M and run the switcher in the control room at the same time so it's, well I've uh, got buttons here that's how yeah. you do it right yep. you got you got to button it <laughs> that's right the we,
1: cloning button don't the touch cloning
0: button, button. <laughs> I know now there's like there's like forty Gregs now and I need to, to he kill keeps them all
1: doing it. <laughs> we don't even know who the real one is.
0: Exactly. Please stand up. <laughs> uh, but you do great work as always. I touted this uh, when we were doing the intro, but it's something that always blows my mind that you all actually do have an Emmy for your video production uh, for stuff. How, yes, how did how
3: did that happen? You know, it's it's kind of crazy because we, as much as we do all this D and D stuff, people have no idea that we we do 200 programs a year at the high school. What? TV. So we're we're um, I mean it's there's a ridiculous amount of content that we put out, and because we have a production truck, we do a lot of sports, right? So we do all the varsity sports um, in fall, winter, and spring, boys and girls, and I mean it's like basketball season, for example, we will do probably fourteen home games, seven boys, seven girls varsity, um, and and it's just it's nonstop. So we've been doing sports and. And doing it well for decades, but a couple of years ago we decided that this one really great clip from basketball just there was something magical about it. part of it was the game, and you know there was an epic dunk, and like the crowd went crazy, but our coverage was spot on, and our like live replay was spot on, so I was like let's let 's put this in We put it in to the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and we won first place at the Chicago uh, Midwest level. That qualified us to go to nationals. The video goes in. The national uh, competition has 2,000 entries from across the country. And it got down to the top five in sports. They did a live stream from Hollywood um, Tom, Tom Bergeron was the host, which is just surreal <laughs> for him to like say our high school's name. And then like we won. Wow. So right before the live stream started, David Carafa was like, we should put a camera up to shoot the students reacting. Oh to this.
1: yeah.
3: So I posted a video and there, there's basically like a picture and picture of the live stream. Bergeron announces you know, that we win and you just see on our camera, like the reaction shot and kids are jumping around and like, there's like 50 grand in IMAX for editing that are on the table. And I'm like, Oh God, please don't (laughs) bring anything. They were so excited, you know? And it was, I mean, it was huge. It was the biggest award that we've ever won. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. And, and so it was really rewarding for that group of kids, but just, I think for all of them, like I heard from so many alumni, like that, the week after that, that were like, "Oh my God, you guys are, you know, so awesome!" We won, and and that "we" part is really important because we really are kind of like an, a, a family. And I have a lot of alumni uh, who who go on to work in the creative industry in in film or in television, and you know, so it's it was exciting to share that with them too.
0: Really cool and uh, something to be congratulated for. And yeah. we've seen a lot of, I mean, at least I have a lot of video of you know, high school level sports that is not up to snuff. And it's amazing to, to get that kind of uh, recognition. And uh, it all comes from your passion, Bill. And, and you can see that uh, in winning that award, but then also uh, inspiring uh, Jordan and Jenny and everyone in the D&D club to, to jump in. And I'm hoping that when the two of you graduate, that you will be continuing and being alumni who do creative yeah. stuff going forward.
3: Oh, yeah, they will. Right? you are too talented to hold it back. They, uh, you know, between video and, and graphic design and illustration and writing. I mean, they, they, I'm very fortunate to have them and, and the other students who are on the shows. Like, everybody brings their own spin. And I think the coolest thing is that that, you know, sums up a good D&D table. Yeah. Everybody has something to bring to the table. And the DM has to kind of find a way to tease that out of each person to get them involved and get them engaged and some of those stories, some of those games that you play in become some of the best memories of your life. And they're all from a game. And I, I if I could inspire that in kids in the same way that you know I've had over the many years of me playing in games, um, that's mission accomplished. I mean, Love to get it. people around a table face to face, where they're interacting, you know, taking a break from screens in this modern world that we live in. Um,
0: he and, said, and, Well, having four screens up in front of him. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Technology. So, jo- uh,
0: so yeah, let me let me just get like a final thing from from uh, Jordan and Jenny. Jordan, what what do you plan on doing when you graduate? What's what's your you're going forward and how are you going to use D and D and video production in it?
5: <laughs> um, so for college, I'm going into I want to get a master's degree in animation, and I kind of do computer science on the side a little bit. So I want to go into the tech and art world, and D and D. I want to keep you know rolling with it. I I creative write as a hobby, so. That's definitely something. And, you know, like Critical Role is putting out an animated show now for D&D and it's kind of hit the mainstream and it went crazy on Kickstarter. And so that really inspired me to want to keep doing things like that. You know, it seems like D&D is coming back into the, you know, it's coming into the mainstream a little bit. And so I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities in the future for tech and art to get into that.
0: That's fantastic. I think so, too. I love going in for animation. I think that's going to be super awesome. So, hope you have fun. Uh, What about you, Jenny?
4: Well, I do. I'm going to major for graphic design at Elmhurst College. woo (laughs) Yay! That is another thing where I just already I love doing illustration and just making, like, useful artwork and that people use and that they are able to integrate into their life. And that's one thing that I really didn't realize until recently that you can do so much with D&D between the graphics that you use for streams and games and the animations and even, like, all the beautiful illustrations that go into books. That's kind of my goal in life.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, get a portfolio together and we'll uh, submit it to uh, the art directors here.
3: Yes. She's, yeah. she's well underway.
0: Sweet. Well, thank you uh, so much for uh, calling in and joining us. I love every single thing you've said, pretty much. I mean, uh, from the conventions to the D&D play to s- inspiring, uh, you know, the underclassmen to come up and be a part of this D&D
3: club, uh, I'd, I, I don't I feel inspired.
1: Me too. I love it. Thank,
3: thank you guys for having us. And, of and course. you know, uh, I know that you guys aren't going to be able to make it to GaryCon next year. I know. Which are hoping that we'll have a chance to work together on the road at another convention sometime. I it was help. awesome working with you guys, too. Let's do
0: D&D Live 2021 from, uh, from Lions Township. What there
3: you, you go. <laughs> You're
0: in. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Bill, just so people uh, don't forget, uh, verbally, can you tell us where you can watch all of these awesome videos that you've been producing?
3: Um, so most of them are on my channel, youtube.com slash World. Um, and then for LionCon, we have a Facebook page where kind of all the registration and event information is located. It's Facebook.com slash LionCon. That's L-Y-O-N-C-O-N.
0: Sweet. Uh, everybody in the Chicago area or in the Midwest or in the country should go Just to LionCon. eventually. Uh, I want to. And I do, too. Feel inspired. Uh, I'll, I'll play some games with you. It'll be fun. Uh, awesome. But thank you so much, uh, Bill, Jenny, Jordan. You're amazing. And you're the
1: thanks for all you do
0: yeah that's it guys yeah. appreciate it
1: <laughs> bye, bye. bye.
0: alright Bill Bill is so good still wonderful he's always killing it yep like literally with like lots of die rolls he's killing things
1: yes and the kids the kids are amazing <laughs> well he's not killing them no <laughs> no, no. the kids are amazing they'd be wrong and alive <laughs>
2: Definitely a lot.
0: <laughs> that is very true. Our yes. deception rolls, we we're getting a five million on them. Totally. Yeah. That's concerning. It is very <laughs> concerning. Uh well, let's, you know, alert the authorities as well as uh make sure we talk about all the fun things that are going on in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh we covered a lot in the intro, but is there more yep. stuff that we need to go over? Um any more secrets you want to reveal next? No. Nick?
1: Oh yes. No. Oh mate uh, secrets? Secret Shames. I mean, I
0: already did that. We, we did it at the beginning with having not played uh, the Betrayal game. Well, you are going to get a whole bunch of Betrayal. Yes. <laughs> Very soon. Is that a threat?
1: Yeah. You are going to get Betrayal.
0: Oh. You are going to be betrayed.
1: All right. Wait,
0: no, that's too much. <laughs> I went too far. I think you were be like, you're going to get Betrayal. You're
1: going to get Betrayal.
0: <laughs> you're going to have a long the legacy hill. of Betrayal. You're going to be betrayed at that house that's on the hill. Um, maybe as, in Baldur's Gate. Maybe in Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Betrayal's all over the place nowadays. It you is. You can get Betrayal in Target. Betrayal is on Target. <laughs> betrayal is on Target.
1: Uh, betrayal .com. online? Be careful. There's a lot of Betrayal online.
0: <laughs> there is a lot of Betrayal. So. Just search for it online and you'll get all the Betrayal you all need. All the Betrayal. Yeah.
1: I'm behind a lot of that Betrayal. <laughs>
0: you i have uh, art directed and made a lot of brand decisions about that Betrayal. I did. Yeah. yeah. You have branded Betrayal. I
1: have. Yeah. I'm
0: proud of it. Betrayal is your Ooh, brand.
1: It is, it my is your brand. brand. <laughs> and we are on brand when we're betraying old.
0: <laughs> betraying old.
1: Betraying old?
0: <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, you're going to be betrayed. And yep. then we are going to get some cool D&D products on March 17th. Uh, the Explorer, uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, as well as Laryl Silverhand's Explorers Kit. Ooh. That will be amazing. Um, And then we've got more news to come, but we can't really spill it all. So you should be checking our social media handles. I am at Greg Tito. Shelly, where are you? At Shelly Moo. And Nick, where are you? At Nick the DM. Check all of our stuff, uh, especially Nick's, uh, for uh, telling all the secrets that he learns while he's here in the office for Dungeons & Dragons. But if he does that, he's going to be betrayed. Uh, So don't do that. Wait, I thought I was already being betrayed. Well,
1: There will be betrayal and mayhem.
0: (laughs) Okay,
2: that's the problem. (laughs) You're gonna get so much dungeon mayhem, <laughs>
0: <laughs> man!
2: I'm
3: getting we some are mixed causing, messages on whether to tell people things cause or so not. Much <laughs> control, so
1: much mayhem, it's gonna be crazy. Uh,
0: you should also download Dragon Plus for your phones. Get it on Android as well as on your electronic iPhone devices because there's so much great uh, previews and D and D material, maps that you can get uh, all from there. Um, it's great on your phone to get it uh, every two months, and there's a new issue coming out, I believe, this month in February. So check it, check it. And this isn't anything new,
2: but D and D Beyond is a useful app that will always make D and D a little bit easier.
0: That is very true. I can I don't really make characters without D and D Beyond at this point. Yeah, I don't it even know how to So do much do it faster, it now. yeah. And there's so much fun just to make random characters uh, with button, but then also just to be like, I feel like making some characters today. And I'll be like, "Eh, let's do a warlock who loves the stars and uh, wants to betray people.
1: And cause mayhem.
0: And cause mayhem. See, we're doing that all right now. I'm going to make that uh, very soon. Um, And it is going to be fun. All right, so we've got Twitter handles out of the way. What else do we need to talk about here before we allow Nick to take us on a little adventure?
1: I think that's good. I'm ready for adventure.
0: I'm ready for adventure, too. All right. Okay. So you have a die that you may do I? roll All right. if you want to.
2: Where would you like to begin? In
0: the Anywhere. forest.
2: All right, you're in the forest. So you are approaching through this forest, and you see a village that is pretty much surrounded by this poorly built fence. And at the gate are two things that are not kobolds. But you don't really know what better to describe them as. They look sort of like a, if someone who had never seen a kobold but had one described was built. What would you like to do?
1: Are they alive?
0: You think so? I go up and give uh, the one on the right a high five.
2: It just sort of like slurps through.
1: I give the one oh. on the left a piece of bread.
0: It holds it and nods at you. I feel cre- creeped out. <laughs> I'm going to try to uh, jump over the fence. All right. Uh, roll for it. Yep. All right. I got Whoa. a 16. 16. <laughs> All right, cool.
2: You leap right over the fence and our... Uh, so you are now pretty much in the village of misfit cobalts.
1: <laughs> I'm going over the fence. Come, All right. come with us, please. please. I know. Come to that's... the village.
5: Oh. oh.
0: Shit. <laughs> 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 All right, All we'll right describe what failure. happens and we'll end so it. So
2: you are end up uh, knocking over the fence. <laughs> Ah. And the two of you are just running through the the, the forest being chased by these not quite kobolds. Oh, oh.
1: Damn, the misfit kobolds. We, we want to be your friend. Give me back my bread.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. There you go. Thank I you so much it. Nick. That was great. Uh, goodbye and goodbye. Uh, Get back <laughs> safely to New Jersey land.
2: Good luck on the rest of your show.